Well, David Benner shared that having information about God is no more transformational than having information about love. You know, if we just talk about God, if we just define theological terms, but don't put feet to our faith or, or let this be our daily living, we're, we're just gathering information. And again, there's a big difference between having information about love and then experiencing love. There's a tremendous difference between having information about God and experiencing a living faith in Christ. I want to give some examples of how to make that a reality in our life if that's not where we're at today. So we can begin to, as Paul said, know Christ who is our life. The book of Proverbs in chapter 10, verse 22, Solomon said this, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. And here's the key. He says, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessings of the Lord makes the person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Rich here doesn't simply mean material things. It means rich, a vibrant faith, a a vibrant life, vibrant relationships. And God's blessing, Solomon says, comes without strings attached. He doesn't add sorrow with it. We're in a world where people question and are suspicious of receiving things. They always think if things are going well, that must mean something bad's about to happen. And Solomon says, God is the one who gives his blessing and he doesn't add sorrow with it. It was said so well by C.S. Lewis, we are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will be. Let me share something here from Palmer Chinchen, a great prayer to, to add to your prayer life and think about this. Now, Palmer Chinchen grew up in Liberia. He lives in the U.S. now. He's a journalist. But he said, you know, in Liberia, they have this saying there, sort of like a, a greeting. And for them, it is two simple words. It's carry me. And he said, when someone says that to you, you listen to them. You know they're in trouble, afraid, they're desperate, they're alone. And he said, when somebody says, carry me, a friend has only one response. I will carry you. And he says, from a faith perspective, when you and I say, carry me, God in heaven has only one answer I will carry you. And that's the faith that we have. And and maybe your prayer today is going to be simply, carry me, God. Or maybe you're going to run into somebody this week, and that's their cry of their heart, and you'll be able to come along beside them and say, let me show you what faith with feet on it looks like, and show you some of the promises of Christ, and, and to live that out. You know, there's a, another prayer, and I think this one's wonderful, and who is the original person that started it? It's uh, kind of unknown at this point, but many people share this prayer, and it's simply at the end of a prayer to say then this or something better, this or something better. That is an, an active faith that said God is the giver, and he loves to give when we come boldly to the throne. And as you pray for something, and then you say this or something better, you know, it's, it's if you have a, a career goal and you're saying, God, I'm praying for this job and you're specific about that job and then you say this or something better, knowing that he does bring that blessing. Maybe you want your relationship to be repaired and so you're praying specific things over your marriage and when you're done, you say, God, this or something better. That's what faith is. You know, as David McLeod said, never measure God's unlimited power by your limited expectations. Let me give an example of what that looks like to go from that limited thinking to a whole different type of thinking. John Griffin, who's an entrepreneur, shared this about what happened in his life. He had this construction business. They specialized in building pools, doing very well. He hired a close friend, known this person for years. And he said within two months, that person stole everything. 
cleared out the bank account and, and just took it all. And John Griffin said, I was left with nothing. I had to declare bankruptcy. The only thing I had left was hatred. And this person disappeared. He said many, many months went by and he was out one day and this person saw him and walked up tears in their eyes and they said, please forgive me. And he said, I looked at this person, said, I forgive you, turned and walked away. But in his heart, he was just sensing this resentment and anger. He wanted to pay back. Six months went by and he said his phone rang. It was actually this person and said, listen, I don't know anybody else. I need $600 or I lose my house today. And he slammed the phone down. He was so angry. This person just taking and taking. An hour later, though, he, he said, you know, he started to look around his house in the drawer and coat pockets, and he found $620. Went to Western Union, said, how much is it to wire $600? They said, 20 bucks. He said, I have exactly $620. Sent the money, called that person, said, the money's being transferred now. Hung up the phone. Felt a, a relief that he had done the right thing. He's on his way home and his phone rings again. This time it's his accountant. And he says, I can't handle any more bad news at this point. And his accountant says, you know, I don't have bad news. In fact, I've rerun the numbers. The IRS, they owe you a refund. And he said, how much? And he said, $6,200. You see, that's what it is to know God who is the one who brings the blessing. He has no sorrow to it. Scripture talks about when we bring a sacrifice, there's sometimes a, a tenfold return, a hundredfold, whatever it is that when we lay down our life, there's a, a return in that investment when we follow after Christ. And again, it's not talking about a, a material thing. It's talking about just the richness of life in general. When we go from information about God to saying, I want to experience who Jesus is. You know, Joe Vitale is a author and shares seminars on personal growth. And he talked about when he was 53 he needed to, to handle a tremendous pain that had haunted him for decades. He said this pain went all the way back to elementary school. He said at the school, they'd have a physical fitness test each year. Part of that test was to climb a rope. Top of the rope, you'd ring a bell. He said all through elementary school, middle school, I couldn't ring that bell. He said worse was the teacher would make fun of me that I couldn't climb the rope. Then the other kids would make fun of me. It wasn't until high school that we stopped that test and I got away from that rope. He said, but at 53, I still had this pain, this resentment, and, and all this hurt about being made fun of. So at 53, he went out, bought one of those ropes, paid a construction guy to, to build a platform, hung the rope, and every day he said, I went out and I tried to climb that rope, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried. He said, you know what happened after weeks and weeks and weeks? One day, I climbed that rope to the top, and I rang that bell. And here's what he said, though. Ringing that bell had more meaning to me than getting a television show or a best-selling book. And here's the key takeaway, though, for, for you and I as he talks about it. He says, you know, what is your rope? What is that thing that's holding you back or haunts you that you need to find, you know, release from or a breakthrough in? For us in Christ to step forward and say, you know, let me live my life trusting in the one who, who brings the, the blessing without adding sorrow to it. 
There's so many things that limit us. And if we have a limiting belief, that changes our thoughts and then it changes our actions. Let me share Mandy Evans. She writes, what are the main limiting beliefs she's encountered after years of counseling people? And maybe you'll identify with one, two, or all of these, but today's the day to say, now let me replace that limiting belief with something true in Christ. And I'll give you some examples of those here in a moment. But Mandy Evans says the top nine limiting beliefs. Number one, I'm not good enough to be loved. Number two, no matter what I do, I should be doing something else. Three, if it hasn't happened yet, it never will. Next, if you knew what I'm really like, you wouldn't want me. Next, I don't know what I want. Number six, I upset people. Here's one that's probably familiar for many people. Better stop wanting. If you get your hopes up, you'll get hurt. Here's another one probably haunts a lot of people. If I fail, I should feel bad for a long time and be really scared to try again. The last one, I should have worked this out by now. So again, when there's a limiting belief, it causes us to have limiting thoughts and that causes us to limit our actions. We get paralyzed like that rope holding us back so we don't try, we don't risk. But faith with feet on it says, I trust in God who is the one who brings that blessing without sorrow. Listen to James chapter three, verse two from the New Century Version where James says this, we all make many mistakes. If people never said anything wrong, they would be perfect and able to control their entire self. But we all make many mistakes. And it's only in Christ that we're made perfect as he erases those mistakes, cleanses our sin, and says, in him, we can do all things. Let me give you an example of somebody else talking about what happens when your life, the rubber hits the road, and faith demands a different set of actions. Gavin and Patty McLeod, you know, Patty McLeod, the wife of Gavin McLeod, who for years was one of the most popular actors in our country. He was known for being on the Mary Tyler Moore show, and, and then he was the captain on the love boat. Gavin McLeod, you know, many people loved and admired him. He played these roles where he was, you know, this romantic figure or this leader. He, he just exuded this integrity. But behind the scenes, Gavin shared, you know, all this fame and all this money. He got involved in some substance abuse, hanging around the wrong crowd, changed his life in a negative way. He went home, looked Patty in the eyes and said, I'm leaving you. And he walked out the door. Patty McLeod would share it was devastating. And he was gone. She was broken, lost everything. She went to counseling. She went to church. She read books. She said what spoke to her was being around people at a church and they were still, in a sense, exuding joy, though they were facing tremendous hardships themselves. And she said that spoke to her. So she went to worship more often and, and read more books and went to seminars. It's getting three years now since Gavin walked out the door. She said a woman walked up to her and said, do you want your husband back? And she said, well, of course I would want that. And she said, do you want your husband back? And Patty McLeod said, yes, I do. And this person said, 
There's a way that that can happen. Julie Sadler said, you will always win when you care about what God cares about. When we think like he thinks, love like he loves, notice like he loves, you'll always win when you care about what God cares about. We talked many times, you know, we each have 60,000 thoughts a day. And study after study shows roughly 5% of thoughts, you know, they, they come our way without our conscious thinking. There's a trigger that sends off a thought or there's spiritual warfare where the devil whispers a thought. Whatever it may be, about 5% of our thoughts, they're, they're not really something we are controlling. That means we have control over 95% of our thoughts. Doesn't mean everybody does. Many people aren't controlling half their thoughts. They're just being triggered and fed and, and given information from outside sources that may be completely false. But the reality is when we stop and say, I'm going to not just have information about God, I'm going to have an experience daily of Christ. And the scripture says I can take on the mind of Christ, replace limiting beliefs, and choose what I'm going to think. So let me give you something here from Christian Larson. He wrote this called The Optimist Creed. You know, you might recognize one or two of these in your own heart and identify with that. Don't, don't try to write all this down. It's on the, on the church page and you can find it there. But here's a way to replace. How do you replace those limiting beliefs? Well, here's a number of examples from Christian Larson. He calls it The Optimist Creed. Let this be a challenge of new thinking. Christian Larson, again, the Optimist Creed. Here's a new way to begin to say, let me think these thoughts. I promise myself to be strong so that nothing can disturb my peace of mind. To talk health, happiness, and prosperity to every person I meet. To make all my friends feel that there is something in them. To look at the sunny side of everything and make my optimism come true. To think only of the best, to work only for the best, and to expect only the best. To be just as enthusiastic about the success of others as I am about my own. To forget the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future. To wear a cheerful countenance at all times and give every living creature I meet a smile. To give so much time to the improvement of myself that I have no time to criticize others. To be too large for worry, too noble for anger, too strong for fear, and too happy to permit the presence of trouble. To think well of myself and to proclaim this fact to the world not in loud words, but in great deeds. And to live in faith that the whole world is on my side so long as I am true to the best that is in me. What is that rope that might be your limiting belief that you want to bring this day in faith to Christ? And, and you know what? Trust that he's going to guide you how to handle that. Replace those limiting beliefs. It might take something radical like building a, a rope that uh, you can climb in your yard, whatever it might be, but trusting again in Christ. He gives this or something better. And when we pray, Lord, carry me, he says, I will carry you. His blessings, they come 
and he has no sorrow to it. Proverbs 31, 25 says that believers laugh at the days to come. There's not a lot of people out there laughing. Scripture says believers laugh at the days to come. Why? Because we know that there's no hardship that we will face that's a match for God. Whatever obstacles and challenges are there, God is greater by far. And in him, we can truly do all things when we move beyond just taking in information and letting it become a transformation in our life because we commit to walk in faith, experience faith, live in faith, think thoughts like Jesus thinks. Alan Cohen said, appreciation is the highest form of prayer. And when we are in a place that says, you know what? My appreciation is grounded in the one whose grace is greater than all my sin. And we stop playing church. I say, let me live out my faith. Let me know that I may rub shoulders this week with somebody whose heart's cry is, I wish somebody would carry me. And we come along beside them and say, let me tell you about Christ. And let me be there for you and give you strength from my own life because I've learned to say, you know what? Because of Jesus, I can laugh at the days to come because I've got a joy the world can't take away because I'm not playing church. I got feet to my faith and I'm walking it out. And I believe that his answer in prayer is this or something better. Brings us back to Gavin and Patty McLeod. Gavin McLeod, again, one of those popular actors, he's not doing that today. He's doing something else. He's about 90, but let me tell you what his life looks like. After three years, he left, walked out on his wife, and somebody said to her one day, do you want your husband back? And she said, yes. This person said, let me show you something. Took her to a scripture in Romans where she was able to read that God is the one who calls things that are not as though they are. And this person challenged her to begin calling things that are not as though they are. Not just in word, but in deed. So Patty went home. First thing she did, she put her ring back on her finger. Next thing she did, every time she made dinner, she set a plate for her and a plate for her husband. Next thing she did, she took special care of the side of the bed he used to sleep on, making it ready for when he'd come back. It's three years since he's been gone. Not a phone call, not a letter, not a word. One day she goes to the store to, to buy a new Bible. She's in the checkout lane and the clerk says, you know, you can have this engraved for free if you want. Would you like your name on the front? And Patty McLeod said, you know what? Will you put my husband's name on the front of the Bible? His name's Gavin. As Patty would share, she went home. She placed that Bible front and center on a table. And two days later, her phone rang. And Gavin said, I'd like to talk. And she said, when can you be here? He said, it'll take me a few days. 
as Gavin McLeod shared when he got to the porch that day, afraid to ring the doorbell, afraid of what she would say, how she would yell. Pushed the doorbell. And Patty opened the door, her best dress, her hair done, smile on her face. And she said, I'm sorry your dinner's cold. It's been waiting three years. A few weeks later, they were remarried. And they've spent years now, Gavin and Patty McLeod, as ministers, evangelists, and especially known for having seminars where people with broken marriages can come and have their lives changed, their marriages restored. Because we trust and know and believe the blessing of the Lord. He makes us rich in all things. He has no sorrow to it. So because of that grace greater than all our sin, we can pray, Jesus, this is my request. This or something better. Let us live and say, I want to be too large for worry, too noble for anger. Too strong for fear and too happy to permit the presence of trouble. In Jesus' name.